Jazz and Chargers Unleashed, Sebastian Joseph, they know the vibes, we outside. You're listening to the Chargers Unleashed podcast with your host, Dan Wolkenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Bet Online, Charger Bolt Family, Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia, and Liquid Death. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Walkenstein, I don't think that anybody could question your dedication, as anybody who's watching us on YouTube right now can clearly see Dan is not in his normal studio, uh, as he is currently still battling symptoms of being under the weather. So the dedication of Dan Wolkenstein right now is doing this show directly from his bedroom, as you can see. Uh, And Dan, the way that you're feeling right now, I could take a healthy guess is basically how the rest of this Chargers fan base is feeling. Unprepared, outcoached, awful performance, whatever bad euphemism you want to say that has basically been thrown out during this season that we are currently sitting in, in the six and six, virtually all of that culminated yesterday in an embarrassing loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. And now the chargers playoff hopes are literally hanging by a thread. If they have any hopes of moving forward in this 2022 season, but Dan, They may have dug themselves too far of a hole to climb out of. That mountain may be insurmountable to climb. And we got a lot of feelings about it. We do. We do. Uh, I I definitely think you're right. I'm probably a nice visual representation of the feelings for many Chargers fans out there. Um, So bear with me if I sound a little hoarse or if I sound a little sad um, or the weather because all three of those are true. Um, And this Chargers loss was a gut punch. Uh, I think for a lot of us um, and we'll get into kind of, I think the, the macro and micros of kind of why that is. And, and I think it's, I don't necessarily know if it's, you know, a loss is a loss, but I think the way that they lost this game, I, to me, there were some glaring things that kind of just made me feel even more sick than it already was naturally. And, and we're getting into kind of the the hard truths of this, which as folks know, if you've been following the show, I'm usually the optimist. Jake's usually the pessimist. Um, hard to be optimistic about a lot of things right now with this team. Uh, there's been a lot of things that you would have thought could have gotten better, could have improved, could have changed over the past, call it eight weeks. Uh, at one point, they were five and three despite it all. And now six and six, hanging on by a thread, like you said. Um so, Jake, I'm not really even sure where to start today. Um, I know when you and I had spoke about this game previously, you had said, I'm worried. I don't like it. And I agreed with you. Uh, is this what you expected? Final score is not indicative of the performance that was actually put out there. And I think not so much the final score not so much the fact that you lost to the Raiders, but it's how you went about it. It's how you went about it from the aspect of when you played this team week one, and now due to the unfortunate personnel aspects, you knew what you had going into this game. Which is? 
in terms of personnel, you knew what you had and you knew what you didn't have into this game. You knew the problems that you've had in the running game virtually all season. None of no these. Pipkins, no Rashawn Slater. None of these no were Trey. secrets. Yep. None of these were anything that was out of the blue. Corey Lindsay's and, out. And in terms of a game plan, I thought that this was arguably the most irresponsible game that possibly Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi have come up in terms of a game plan against this Razors team. Okay. I think irresponsible really is the best word. What do you mean by that? I think from the standpoint that knowing the fact that you didn't have your starting center, we've seen how valuable Corey Lindsley is to this team when he's in. We know what this offensive like is is when he's not there. You know you don't have Trey Pipkin, so you have Foster Sorrell start at right tackle again. At some point in the game, you lose Zion Johnson, so you are virtually playing without four-fifths of the offensive line that you started this season with. And yet, the things that have succeeded for you in the past, the things that you should be doing in order to keep a pass rush honest, keep a defense honest, try to throw some trickeration into it, the Chargers still had Justin Herbert drop back 56 times. And there was no semblance of, I, I know that we've, we've talked about it and you know the, the best key to success is at the arm of Justin Herbert. And while that may be true, I think it's from the standpoint of the play calls being made in order to get there. Is Justin Herbert Superman? Yes, he's proven that plenty of times. But he can't be throwing the ball this much. He can't do it. And when you do it in a way that... Like this. You can't do it like this. There's that old saying, Dan, and I told you this off the show. You have to make the defense earn the right to rush the passer. (laughs) Yesterday, it's just like the Chargers were giving out gift certificates. I mean, this was bad. Jerry Tillery has a revenge game, the most pressures that he's gotten in the last two seasons in a single game. Chandler Jones, who couldn't do anything in week one, obviously, because he was going up against Rashawn Slater in that game, gets three sacks in this game. Max Crosby continued to be Max Crosby throughout this game. Justin five, Hurdle, total sa- five total sacks, 14 quarterback hits, and he had 22 pressures yes. for this Raiders defense that was supposed to be atrocious. Yes. The third quarter, again, Arguably the worst third quarter that has been played by this offense and defense throughout this entirety of this season. The Jake, opening this offense, drive against the Raiders, Jake, this offense, 13 points. 13. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, seven of those took kind of a miraculous drive. In Arrakis, whatever, 40-something yards. Another fourth down against the Raiders. Another amazing throw and catch by Justin Barbecue chicken did not look like barbecue chicken yesterday, as much as it pains me. I I elaborate on the irresponsible term in terms of this coaching staff is because they have proven, whether it's in-game, during halftime, maybe this that they have not shown that they are capable of adapting. And I'm not when, trying when you to say, use... When you say they, like I want to be specific as much as possible here because I think there's a lot of kind of a blame game going around here. Mm-hmm. And not here, but in Twitter sphere and in Chargers sure. fandom right now. And we're going to get into like who's to blame here. When you say irresponsibility, is this 
coordinators, head coach alike? Yes. Is Okay. Yes, it is. So let's just get down kind of to brass tacks. Um, the Chargers offense just doesn't look good. And it's hard and it pains me to watch an offense look like this when you have a quarterback like that. Like, it's really hard to do that. Now, I know they've had a bunch of injuries. Three-fifths, at sometimes four-fifths of their offensive line starting is not in. They're down Mike Williams or down, you know, Donald Parham. I get it. The Raiders' defense is not good. And you come out looking like that, even if you had an offensive line that was in shambles, you could scheme away from some of this stuff. And the fact that the Chargers just kept banging their head against the same drum over and over and over, and we had to go watch Justin Herbert literally run for his life as to get railroaded all game and have to try to put on a Superman cape, which he kind of did. I think that's what's sickening covering, watching, following this team is the the coordination of this team just is not helping them. And I think that's what's frustrating. Uh, there are dudes on this team and leaders on this team. Uh, I just don't, like, for... For rarity purposes, I have I don't remember the last time that I have been this much at like a loss for like where to even start. Like, you know, <laughs> like Jesus isn't walking through that door. Like, do you think Joey Bosa by himself fixes what we saw yesterday? Does Mike Williams fix what we saw yesterday? The, they will fix aspects of it. Mike Williams, I mean, if you don't have any time to throw, it doesn't matter if Mike Williams is on the field or not. Now, Joey Mike Williams have caught that DeAndre Carter catch that was out there at fourth down, maybe. But, like, again, you're that's a prayer. Joey Bosa coming back, does that maybe elevate your pass rush? Sure. Does it stop the bleeding from having one of the worst-ranked rush defenses in the last 20 years? No, because honestly, it was it was still bad when he was there. Yes, he sets the edge, and he offers you better pass rush. But still, Dan, you're still going to be having these same problems. And and again, I go back to that. It's just like these aren't anything that just happened. Joey Bosa has been gone from week three. Let's just say from a personnel standpoint, what did you do to go out to fix or, or plug that hole somewhat? Nothing. Dan, you said it before the season that you were worried most about the depth of the edge position because technically you kept three edge rushers. It was Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Chris Rumpf, and Kyle Van Oy was kind of your hybrid that would go between you know being in the middle, part of the Drew Tranquil, Kenneth Murray group, or in a third down passing situation, he could be there when we were doing our movie title episode on which movie associates do you associate with each position group? I called the edge. I called the edge position risky business because it was a huge risk 
to only keep three. Joey Bosa has been gone since week three. And there has been nothing on this roster or done outside of it in free agency to try to stop that bleeding. <coughs> the, the run defense has been absolutely atrocious every single week this season, really since week three. Now, I, I think that I kind of want to get to the crux of one of the, I think, arguments that we see on on social about this team is like, what side of the ball is at fault more? And I kind of started to allude to this the last couple of weeks, and I think I got flamed a bit for it, but I kind of stand by it. In my opinion, the Chargers defense, while it has been atrocious against the run, while it has given up gashes, while it has done some stupid things, in my opinion, this defense has done enough to win the majority of these past five games. I think they've given up 30 points once. I think that was to the Chiefs, which... Okay. Uh, th- the Jaguars hung up a good number on you as well. Before, I'm saying in the last five weeks, specifically. The Chargers offense has done... They've been in shambles. Take the last... I mean, say what you will about Justin Herbert. Say what you will about these receivers and all that kind of stuff. Like, between the offensive line, between the, the running game, it's just been a disaster. Take last, last week against the Cardinals... The Chargers' leading rusher was Justin Herbert with 38 yards. Austin Eckler had 20. This week against the Raiders, Austin Eckler had a grand total of 35 yards. Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, Joshua Kelly had 30. That's 35 yards from your starter. Against the Niners, Jake, Austin Eckler had a grand total of 24 yards rushing. Herbert had 22. Against the Chiefs. Eckler had arguably his best game of the season. 19 carries, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Then go back to the Falcons. 14 carries, 47 yards. You, It is hard to win when you are that bad at rushing the football. Like, <laughs> that's bad. And I... I don't know. This is my attempt to provide a, a sickly transition here, Jake. I don't know what the odds are for the Chargers to make the playoffs after this loss, but I guarantee you they're not any better than they were before the Raiders' loss. Um, we should talk about our friends over at Bet Online. They, uh, <laughs> you could probably put a lot of money. You can win a lot of money if some miraculous miracle happens and the Chargers make the playoffs or make a Super Bowl run. And you have that bet. Uh, Jake, talk about our friends. Want to remind everybody that Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, NFL. MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf, head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use that promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So, like, when you see a game unfold like this, where it just felt like the game slipped away. I mean, your defense literally scored a touchdown for you. 
and your offense was in shambles. The drive to start and end, or to end the second quarter, start the third quarter, you got a grand total of three points. One turnover immediately gave the touchdown to Devontae Adams the next play. Even your defense at the end of the first half, you, they marched right down the field. They missed a field goal, thank goodness, but didn't matter. But again, like, the, your offense needs to score more than 13 points against the Raiders. This, de- this defense, yes. And and that goes that goes more into my irresponsible rant, Dan. If you want, outside of the aspects that we've seen as far as how this defense has performed, what they're giving up in the run game, whatever stat you want to look at, injuries, what have you. Why is the third quarter so damn hard for this team to put up points in? I don't get it. And this is this is part of it. It's just the lack of ability to adapt and what looks like to game plan. Dan, you mentioned the last five weeks as far as the up and down inconsistencies of this team. Once again, Chargers get out to an early double-digit point lead. They were double-digit point leads going into halftime against Kansas City and 49ers. They ended up dropping both of these games. While it's not from your offense, you were up double-digit points here against the Raiders and somehow could only score 13 points offensively. I don't understand it. This team gets itself in double-digit holes. Sometimes they're able to come back. They get out to double-digit leads. They end up blowing those leads. Whatever the hell happens at halftime, I really don't know what is said, what the game plan is, but Brandon Staley has basically just gone about, at least this year, has gone about his way of coaching just the same philosophy every week. And whether that's from a reflection of the front office or this team actually making acquisitions to, I guess, subplant their big-name players while they're out at injury, coming up with a better game plan to not get their quarterback killed, to come up with a better game plan in order to get certain players involved, both offensively and defensively, scheming up a game plan that is going to put your best players in a position to win, both offensively and defensively. Dan, I just haven't seen it. And I go back to a quote that I had said a couple weeks ago. I just felt like this team has not had an identity all season long. You're not wrong. They just don't know what they want to do. I think they came into this season with an identity to be a little bit more balanced, which is why you've seen the resurgence of Joshua Kelly, which is great for him. While the Chargers went out and got Isaiah Spiller, even though he's barely really been featured in the run game. But I think they had this idea to come in with a much more balanced offense, which is not a problem. But when you don't have the defense or the horses or more importantly, the game plan to go out there and execute properly, what are you supposed to do with that? Because it's it's not long-term sustainable. And Dan, like I said, this isn't a short thing that the Chargers have just stumbled and lost their way. This has been at least 10 weeks 
of this same problem, both from a head coach and a coordinator perspective. So, and when you go that long, whether you're winning games or you're losing games, but you're still seeing some of those same inconsistencies, that's a bigger issue than anything else. So I keep going back to this, but like how I want to be clear with where we're pointing blame at, because I think there is a delineation between like coordinators and head coaches. Who has play calling responsibilities on both sides? Do we know? I would assume that Brandon Staley has the play calling abilities on defense. Okay. And on offense, it has to be Lombardi. I mean, you I would it assume is. it has to be Lombardi. Now, you know, we, we've talked about it and we can give excuses or not, but like the Chargers defensive line is in shambles. I mean, what, five interior defensive linemen gone, Joey Bosa gone. Like, that's tough sledding when that's kind of where you brought most of your bread and butter this offseason was to beef that part up. Now, you can argue it wasn't great before they were injured, so it doesn't really matter. And there's a difference between yards and points allowed. Now, in my opinion, like, you look at the offense, and maybe this is kind of, as, as I'm kind of framing this, I think I've just sat to figured out, realized where the issue is, in my opinion. On one side of the ball, it feels like an execution issue. On the other side of the ball, it feels like play call. Like It feels like much larger than execution, in my eyes. On defense, like, for example... On defense yesterday, you saw Asante Samuel Jr. in great coverage against Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is just a beast and took advantage of him on that touchdown throw. And then on the whatever fleet flicker, like, what are you going to do? But like Devontae Adams is a beast. But like Asante Samuel Jr. is in play for that. In a lot of these running schemes that you're seeing on defense, like, I don't necessarily know if it's a coaching issue, but the players just aren't doing it. Now, that could be coaching that's not helping them get to that point. But at some point, players get paid, get paid to play. On defense, it does not look like it is a scheme issue, a play-calling issue. You're seeing folks lose one-on-one battles all the time. Like, that's not okay. But, like, that's what it is in my eyes. On offense, it's not that. Like, I don't think the offense is, has, is, has been put in a place to succeed. Like, it's not they're not executing. Like, sure, DeAndre Carter could have caught that Hail Mary fourth down catch, but, like, is that really where he should be? Like, Justin Herbert throwing 50 passes a game, getting kicked around 20 times? No. Is that where he should be? The Chargers dropping back 5-7, going to empty sets against the Raiders' defensive line when your offensive line is atrocious? Are we going to try maybe one screen play? I'm going to try to do anything to try to nullify a pass rush. Maybe go at the pass rush with some running schemes. Like, the offense largely has done nothing 
But like that comes from, I don't think that's an execution issue. And I think that's the difference for me between the offense, and the defense, like the defense doesn't look like it's being out coached. They're just not executing. The offense is just, I don't know what they are. Now that might be wild, but like, do you see where I'm coming from? I see where you're coming from, Dan. I think to your point on that, let's just take, for example, the Devonte Adams aspect. And this is where I go from a standpoint of there's nothing new here. You know who Devonte Adams is before he walks into this game. In week one, he went off for 141 yards and a touchdown against you. And in three plays in the second half, the Raiders put up 14 points on you. I'm just simply wondering, and I get Asante Samuel was in great position there to knock it away, and Devontae Adams is who he is. But you knew that the Raiders were playing without some of their offensive weapons as well. Chargers could do nothing to disrupt Derek Carr in the second half. Why would you not be double covering his favorite target? Why would you not put an emphasis on really, aside from Josh Jacobs, the best offensive weapon for the Raiders to go out and score against you? And on a fleet flicker, no less. I mean, three plays down, 14 points. That had to be the most embarrassing sequence that I had seen that goes from an Austin Eckler fumble to 14 points in about a five-minute span that you give up coming out of the halftime. And offensively, yeah, you're not wrong. I don't get what this offensive game plan is. I truly don't. I think a lot of times that the reasons that the Chargers have such a low running output is not just because they can't block. It's also the downs that they choose to run on. Yeah, let's run it on second and 10 and let's see what you can do behind this offensive line. You're just going to put yourself in a third and nine or a third and eight. And then, of course, it's predictable that you have to pass the ball downfield. Anytime that you've more, I won't say anytime, but a majority of the time that you've tried these screen passes to get Austin Eckler out in space, unfortunately, nobody is executing their blocks in order to get them out in space. Defenses can just pin their ears back and come after Justin Herbert when it's in those situations. And they're not scared. As good as Justin Herbert is statistically against pressure, when you have an offensive game plan like this, and when you consistently put yourself in a hole point-wise, defensives have found, they have smelt that blood. And that goes back to the Kansas City game in week two when Trey Pipkins went down and Corey Lindsley went out of that game. Steve Spagnolo dialed up all the interior pressure, figured out way, creative ways to disrupt Justin Herbert, came out with exotic blitzes, and progressively, other teams have figured that out because this Chargers offense just looks sometimes vanilla until they get into desperation mode. And you need Justin Herbert to be Superman. They look vanilla right now. And it's more on the game plan than it is from the personnel. And I will elaborate on this by saying 
Look at what Mike McDaniel did after Tua Tungabailoa was coming back from a concussion. Virtually, actually, what he did for him all season, especially yesterday. If you want a one-to-one ratio, Tua was playing without his left tackle and his right tackle. But Mike McDaniel knew exactly what to do going up against one of the best defenses in the league that, even though it didn't come out in a winning type of scenario, first play, quick quick slant, get the ball out as quick as you can. Tom Brady's done this to the Chargers numerous times where he's just quick out there. You don't allow any pressure to get to your quarterback. And you have those plays dialed up to where you can matriculate down the field and eventually put points on the board. Mike McDaniel has protected Tua very, very well and has come up with game plans to protect Tua very well this season. Against pass rushes, especially when you don't have your left tackle, your right tackle, and your starting center, I would think that Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi would have been able to come up with a game plan such as that to keep the pressure off Justin Herbert. But no, here we go seeing the same five, six, seven-step drops that Justin Herbert should not be taking that scenario. Once again, irresponsible. I, I agree. So, like, where do they go from here? <laughs> if you're if you're Brandon Staley, if you're Brandon Staley, where do you go from here? Well, look, if we're if we're already looking to the 2023 season and looking at that infamous Black Friday that is usually the bad day for all coaches in the NFL, I'll say this: Brandon Staley will probably still be the Chargers head coach next year. And I say that because if you just look at the organization that he's coaching under, you look at the previous coaches that have come before Staley with the exception of Marty Schottenheimer, Norv Turner, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn. Regardless of how those records turned out, they probably stayed a year too long. The Chargers are not the type of people that are quick, you know, pull, quick to pull the trigger when things happen to go wrong. So, Brandon Staley, 99.9% chance. I know a lot of people won't want to hear this the way that this fan base is in disarray right now, but Brandon Staley, 99.9% will be your Chargers head coach next season. Probably. Joe Lombardi, on the other hand, I don't see how you can bring him back. There is no way that you can run this back with the same coordinators, both offensive and defensively, for this team. You just can't do it. So you need to get a coordinator to mesh with Staley, to partner with him on a game plan that is putting the ball. I don't care about a balanced offense. That will come. But you need to put together an offensive game plan that is not only going to keep your quarterback upright, but put him in a position to succeed as well as all of your weapons because Joe Lombardi has not done that this season. And you need to find a defensive coordinator that is going to bring an aggressive tone to this defense. There needs to be some type of overhaul at the coordinator position if this team is going to look to contend in the near future under Brandon Staley. I just, 
I, I think it's tough. Um, you, you look at this Chargers offense, and you've had Keenan the last two weeks. You've got your gunslinger. You've got Austin Eckler. You, Gerald Everett's in. Like, I know Mike Williams isn't in. And I know Lindsley hasn't been. Like, I, I get it. That offense is, like, I'm not saying the defense is great. I Look, I'll be the first to admit, defense has not been great at all. But if you're telling me if the offense or defense were to improve a little bit more, which would make the bigger difference? I think it's the offense. Your defense got a pick six yesterday, and you still lost. Your defense held them to 20 points. And your offense got 13, seven of which on a fourth down call. <sighs> you need to improve on both sides of the ball. You really do. And this is where it will elevate to Tom Telesco as far as responsibility goes. Now, I said going into last season, this was before free agency started, that to me, Tom Telesco needed to show what he could do when he had all of that cap space to work with. And to his credit, he went out and he spent a good amount of money on revamping this defense and getting some playmakers in because the defense was also not performing well in 2021. And unfortunately for the Chargers, those playmakers have either not panned out or obviously the injury has hit them bad enough to the point where it has put some of them out for the entire season. And this is where we stand today. Now, I go back to Tom Telesco because, yeah, free agency and having all that cap is great. But when it comes to the NFL draft, Dan, this may be Tom Telesco's last season. And... There's a very, very good case for that. Not saying 2022 is his final season, because again, once, once again, I read the tea leaves from the person who's signing the checks. 2023 may be Tom Telesco's last season. Some people will agree with that. Some people have been begging for Tom Telesco to go for the last five years, and I get all that, and I understand everybody's frustration with all of those different perspectives. I do. I do. But... Dan, at some point, you can't just say person X is the scapegoat any longer. You just can't do that. Something needs to change from a hierarchy, and let's just get it out of the way. It's not happening with the ownership, so let's just forget all that right now. Something needs to change from the hierarchy standpoint, and if it's not starting with the general manager, then it needs to start with this coaching staff. And it needs to actually start with players that you put on the field. And can you have coaches that are going to develop them properly? So as far as the blame game goes, Dan, where do we go from here? (laughs) I mean, take your pick. Really, take your pick. Anybody who... I will I will not even come I will not say a word to anybody 
for for any of the people who say you know the the lazy type of arguments as far as clean house fire everybody, I, I, I have no, I have nothing bad to say to anybody who wants to say that because I get it. I get where the frustration is and I understand why they're saying it. I will be the first to tell you, unfortunately, they're not going to clean house. Whether you believe that or you don't, totally fine. But I understand your reasonings for saying it. Because this fan base deserves a hell of a lot better than the product that it has gotten over the last two years when you have a player the caliber of Justin Herbert and you cannot get him to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't even, like, what else is there to say? Like, we, we can't even, can we even talk about any of the positives from this game? Is it even worth it? Like, is anybody wanting to hear that right now? Oh, I mean, what? What? We, we said it, Dan. This was, this was probably the worst coaching display I, I have seen all season long in a single game because so many things went wrong for this team and literally all the things that have snake bit them, whether we're talking about the injuries, the play calling, the turnovers, whatever you want to say, getting into, you know, giving up your halftime leads once again, whatever it is. Everything was rolled into this game. And the sad part about it is we're we're not talking week one here. We're talking about, what, week 13 in the NFL? You know what this team is as far as personnel goes. You know who you're going out there to battle with. But yet, you don't have a feasible game plan that is sustainable, that makes sense to either make your offense get into the red zone to score points. Yeah, you couldn't put your, you, you could not devise a game plan in order to make your offense sustainable, to go down the field and score points, to nullify and keep a defense honest that keeps your quarterback protected. And on the flip side of the ball, you really couldn't generate a pass rush on Derek Carr. No. No, it hurts. It hurts. And I and I will say this, like honestly don't know what's worse, like the Chargers performance against them or my Wi Fi or your Wi Fi or whoever's Wi Fi right now, because clearly we're having some technical difficulties here. Jake's frozen what looks to be a pretty serious tone. Uh tough to figure out exactly where he's going with this. Um Okay, Jake, we're back after hours of technical difficulties, Wi-Fi connection issues, um, things needing to be signed, time speed warp. We're here again. Let's close out the episode. Jake, welcome back. Hi. As if you didn't (laughs) think us talking about this Chargers loss could get any worse, add in technical difficulties and essentially six hours without internet just to come back on here and finish this episode. But I feel like liquid death even more so now than ever before. So on cue, let's talk about our friends over at liquid death. Well, Dan, you don't look like liquid death. I know you feel <laughs> I, I do. like it. No, I do. And I, it's okay. And I know that the chargers fan base feels like liquid death. Definitely on this Monday. Ugh. So let me remind everybody that if you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, go to your local Albertsons, your Ralphs, your Kroger's, your 7-Elevens, whatever happens to be near you. If you're walking along the or- the energy drink and water section, you happen to see a 
little box of what looks like tall boys. Don't be fooled. It's not tall boys whatsoever. It's the newest sparkling water out there. Liquid Death comes in four different flavors. Regular sparking, berry, mango, and lime. If you're looking to get yourself refreshed, Liquid Death is the drink for you. Tell them Chargers Unleashed since you've gone over to liquiddeath.com backslash LAFB. Go outside and get yourself hydrated today. I will try to listen to you. It's too late for me now. That was my subliminal message. That last line, Dan, was didn't really work. for you. I know. It didn't it's work. It's really for you. It didn't work. So, look, I think all of us are a little, um, what's the word, perturbed. And um, I think that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. At a loft PG, it's still wee hours of the day. Um, kind of putting a bow on this crapshoot of a loss call it disappointment call it embarrassment let down Do you mean, i'm sure you meant crap shoot crap show is what you meant to say <laughs> yeah crap show of a loss a crap shoot, that's a thing right crap shoot i'm pretty sure that's a thing i mean crap shoot is kind of like a gamble crap show is what we watched yesterday all right folks who are still watching game. listening tell us if i'm pretty sure i'm right with this being a crap shoot anyways um jake is the season over? Yes or no? Mathematically, no. But as I have said many times on this show throughout the last several weeks, Dan, based off of what we've seen from this team from a personnel standpoint, more importantly, what we've seen from this team from a coaching standpoint, do you trust this coaching staff uh, no. to take you five and oh or four and one over these last five weeks i don't and i and i only specifically say that because there has been nothing that has been shown to me through 13 weeks of the season that this coaching staff is going to change their philosophy change their game planning and more importantly their in-game scenarios halftime adjustments i don't see it it is the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, expecting different results. And I remember feeling this way about a different coach in Mike McCoy, mm. where you started drawing up these, what is the definition of insanity? It's doing the exact same things over and over <laughs> and over again, expecting different results. So Dan, to me, I, I hate to say it, but I, I, don't, I, I see very faint playoff chances for the Chargers. I just do not see them getting past the likes of, of Miami or Tennessee. And really, both of those games outside of Indy, the Rams, and Denver, you're going to have to upset at least one of them and then, of course, handle your business against the other three. But like we said, do you trust them to even do that? The, and the thing, the thing is, I don't. Don't, I don't trust them, but I also wouldn't be surprised because of who we have at quarterback and some of the stars on this team. Now, I, got, I, think, I, got the, I think the way they do it is they relinquish control to the stars. Or maybe Staley says to hell with it, and we're not letting you guys do the offensive or defensive play calling anymore. Um, I think that's the only way that it happens. No. But, look, it's not going to happen. But um, I don't think this team is finished, pun intended, unless they lose to the Finns on Sunday, prime time. If they lose, the season's pretty much over. You go under 500, it's a wrap. Um, more to discuss about this this week on the next Chargers Unleashed. Jake, thank you for bearing with me. 
I feel like shit. I look like shit. I sound like shit. But we made it through with technical difficulties and all. Um, and then you also want to tell the great people before we log off and have some night cool and go to bed. Definitely. Um, <laughs> I saw that one. God damn. Sorry. I don't think he was expecting me to say anything because I usually don't say anything when he asked me, is there anything left to say? Uh, uh, for the mute button. <laughs> look. You could say no. That's fine. <laughs> this 2022 season for the Chargers, more importantly, the fan base has been a tough one to endure. And it's been a disappointment, not just from an injury standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, when you see the teams that the Chargers have gone up against, who they have lost against, who they squeaked out wins against, it's been very up and down. Now currently sitting at 6-6. Six and six, <sighs> Playoff change, start today. Changed, well, that's true, Dan. Playoff start today if there is any hope for them. But there has to be change in the offseason. And like I've said, it's probably not going to be Staley just from the standpoint of who the owner is. It's probably going to have to be both your coordinators because there's no way you can run this back in 2023 and expect different results than what you had this year. There's just the, the, the scapegoat and the blame has to fall on somebody. So one way or another, from a coaching standpoint and with a good offseason, you'd hope that this team can get back to at least being a somewhat playoff contender because as of right now and since 2018 they haven't been and it's just it's just been a disappointment at, at 2022, this point, at, 2022 has been a disappointment at this point jake is about to get his wish if they keep at this rate he's gonna get his wish or talk about draft day and we're this close we're so close we're i close. don't want jake to get that i don't think any of us do but some of us in our pessimistic ways do uh but let's try to Hold that off for one more week at least. See if we can have some more fun with this Charger season. Uh, for Jake Heffer, you can find him at Jake T. Heffer with the forward hat today. You look great, my friend. Uh, myself, looking like hot garbage at Dan W. Sports. And we will talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.